when we find the mouse, it's been raining all weekend. We don't know that. We've been in Cameroon. We had sex on the beach, then drank sex on the beaches, then I told all my friends slash acquaintances so they'd hate me, but in the right way. Oh, in the taxi, we're both in these white linen jackets because they're great for the transition between climates and we're lightly toasted and financially stable and neither of us want kids and the world is generally the way it should be. We dash from the taxi to the front step, our shoes splashing in the puddles. Ben struggles with the door key. Both laughing, both still a bit drunk on sunshine and that exciting smell of duty-free. But then, once into the hall... Having shed our wet things, having picked up the post, having opened the living room door. Suddenly I'm sober. I'm cold, dead shock sober. In the middle of the room, in the middle of the cream-coloured carpet, is a mouse with its tail in a mouse trap. Eyes open dead. Oh, bollocks to it, says Ben. I ask him why there's a dead mouse in a mousetrap in the middle of our cream-coloured carpet. He says, I know how you'll be about this, but I thought we had mice, so I bought some mousetraps and put a few round the house before we left, and apparently we have mice. It's brown with black, shiny marble eyes. Its fur looks soft as dust. And in the middle of the huge, brand new, spotless, cream-coloured carpet, it looks impossibly small. I think about putting it in my jacket pocket to see if it fits. Where did you put that one? I ask. That mousetrap? Ben says, behind the sofa and he points across the massive, expansive room to the sofa. The mouse is... beautiful. Tiny fingers and toes like a newborn baby. Don't worry, all right? We'll deal with it. Ben thinks I'm worried we have mice. The mouse had dragged the mousetrap by its tail to the centre of the room. That's when it must have given up and laid down, exhausted. And listened to the rain, perhaps. We left two weeks ago. It could have taken a week and six days to die. Look away, I'll get rid of it, he says. But how can I look away? I stare, entranced, as he nudges the tiny body mousetrap and all, into the dustpan and goes towards the front door. Can I bury it? I ask. Won't we have cats digging up the garden? I don't think cats dig things up. So doubtfully, he hands me the dustpan. I don't even change. I go out in the rain on my hands and knees in my white linen jacket and in the middle of the perfect lawn I dig the tiniest grave you ever saw. I don't want to bury it with the mouse trap. I consider cutting off the tail with the shovel, but no, 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 not that. 
So I take the mouse in one hand and the mouse trap in the other, and I prise the tail out of the vice. Fur softer than I imagined. Then I bury it. Soaked through, caked in mud, my jacket completely, triumphantly done for, I turn back to the house. Ben's standing in the conservatory, his jacket glowing, dry, spotless, stupid, staring. We have sex later. I don't feel a thing. I'm thinking about that tiny body, as small as a pebble, as a tadpole, as an atom, about holding this soft little life, or what had been a life. I've never had a cat. If I had, I'd have seen dead mice day in, day out. Would I have buried every single one in the rain? I don't even pretend to enjoy it. I sigh, an ocean-deep sigh that's obviously nothing to do with him. He goes to brush his teeth. When we're lying in the dark, I say, How long do you think it took? How long for what? For it to die. Try not to think about it, he says, as if that's even remotely helpful. And as if to spite him, I think about it all night. And in the morning, when I get up, I think about it while getting ready for work. I seem to have forgotten how to tie a tie because I'm thinking about the tiny tail in the trap. I wonder whether I should have made a coffin. In the end, I get Ben to tie it because it's like my brain has lost the file on tying ties, and he smiles. Oh, look. He thinks it's about him. He threw out an aftershave box before we went away. That could have been a coffin. A Tom Ford coffin. At lunch, I feel like throwing up when I see the meat option. That night, I start giving money away. First, it's to a woman who sits outside the car park. There's a £50 note in my wallet, so I give her that. And it's still raining, so I give her my umbrella. Her hair's wet and grey-brown. Mouse-brown. I walk back to the car with money still in my wallet. I stand in the rain for a minute with my hand on the car door, getting wet, punishing myself. Then I go back and give her what I have left. She actually says... Are you sure? She actually says... Get yourself somewhere dry. I must exude banknotes, but still she says that to me. I think I cry in the car, but I might just be shivery and wet. That night I, or Ben and I, become patrons of twenty, thirty, forty charities. My inbox is full of thank you, thank you, thank you, but I know it's not enough because I'm sitting on a two grand sofa. I want to dig up the mouse and hold it and say sorry for my two grand sofa, but I can't now because the worms will have got it. 
should have made a coffin. Within a week, I realise we don't have mice. I check every mousetrap every day. I want another one. I want that mouse diluted. I want it to be one of hundreds. I want our house overrun with filthy, biting vermin. But the steel jaws lie undisturbed throughout the house. Our antiseptic operating theatre of a house. I bite my nails until they scrape and catch on things. I try to scratch a hole in the carpet. I've given up sex. I've given up plastic. I've given up meat. I've given up driving. I've given up shaving. I've given up umbrellas. I read the news at work, at lunch, at work, at night. Then I dream about people without beds. I sleep on the sofa. I don't sleep. I lie, eyes open as marbles. I prod one of the traps until it snaps on my hand. Then another, and another, and another, and another, and another, and I'm still alive. Ben's had enough. It's the outgoings that do it. Outgoings to rainforests and endangered fruit bats to... Droughts, cancers, hearts, kidneys, food banks, the sick, the starving, the homeless, the woman outside the car park. He says, was it Cameroon? Was it something in Cameroon that brought all this on? Was it the hotel? Was it the air miles? Was it the cost? Are you going to talk to me? I stare at him. Can't he feel it? The pain like vibrations through the earth, scratching in the ivory emulsion walls, a billion mousetraps snapping. Can't he feel the swollen bigness of us and the things we're leaving everywhere? Why isn't there guilt seeping from his skin? I don't know how to get it all out of me across to him, so I shout. I really shout because there's no one in our big, pristine bubble of expensive nothing to hear us. Don't you care? It all is whining about bills, pension plans, old age, please eat, sleep, stop, see sense, we'll work this out. I love you, can't take responsibility for everything. Don't you care? I need some time to get my head sorted, everyone decides. My parents have a spare room. Ben makes me take one of the cars. He stands on the doorstep. He looks tiny in front of the house, like a doll with a doll's house too big for it. After an hour, I stop at a motorway services for a sandwich. It's late. The girl behind the counter looks about 19 and tired. I ask about her life and what troubles her at night until she wants me to leave. I sit in the car park. I bend the cardboard sandwich wrapper into a tiny coffin. I listen to the rain. (laughs) 
Mouse was written by Charlotte Cromie and performed by Daniel Richards with music by Ben Sutcliffe. This was an Audidu Theatre production for the Twisted Tales in Lockdown series recorded in response to the coronavirus crisis. To donate to Audidu Theatre at this difficult time, please visit www.audidu.co.uk forward slash friends and help us to continue to bring you original performances even when we are unable to tour. Thank you.